0: Oh, and welcome to the record Rangers podcast I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by Scott McDermott we were supposed to come to you yesterday but we were derailed slightly by uh, events so sorry about that I know I committed to it on the previous podcast this week we are going to talk about Rangers bouncing back from an abject showing against St Johnson to pull off a five-star performance against Kelly and bad behavior at matches and sectarianism oh God what's the way forward for clubs in Scotland? Is strict liability the answer scott we 're going to start there i 'm sure you 'll be delighted, oh, delighted to go into the detail of this delighted. um obviously, this comes from um, comments made by Steve Clark in the aftermath of the Rangers kilmarnock game, which we'll go into in a little bit more detail after we 've discussed this um, what 's your take on the issue of bad behavior and sectarianism in general i'll tell you'll tell you mine first yep. um I think, obviously, as Dave King's come out and said today, um, he said Rangers abhor this behaviour and it's clearly something that is highly objectionable and something that you'd have to say to Rangers fans that they need to stop it because it's dragging the club's name through the mud. Every time this happens, it's only harming their club. It, It it makes the club associated with a sort of level of toxicity yep. in the larger Scottish society and not only, not only in Scotland because Steve Clark's a big name in England so when it comes up and down in England people are looking as Stephen Gerrard does as well yeah exactly and people are looking upon the club in a negative light so this stuff is only Dragon Ranger's name through the mud um, that said I do think it's important that we look at the larger issue that we don't just focus on the one club because it's not a one club issue there are it's not even a it's not even a two club issue.
1: Exactly. Johnny. I th- I think there's sectarianism and general bad behaviour at a lot of clubs in Scotland, uh, right through the right through the leagues. And I think that's you no, know, it might you no know, suit a certain kind argument or a certain narrative to you know, to narrow it down to obviously the two Glasgow clubs. But I think that would be wrong if you're going to have a serious discussion about it then. There's uh, there's issues at at pretty much every club.
0: Yeah, and I I was talking to Chris Boyd today at the the press conference, and uh, Chris was saying that his main bugbear uh, was actually not the sectarianism, the singing, the name-calling, because for him, he said, you know, I've I've grown up in it. It's water off a duck's back. I'm, I'm a big boy. I can take it. He said, but for me, it's the fact that coins are getting flung. It's happened not just to me. It's happened to other players as well. That can take an eye out, these are very serious instances. This all needs to be, for me, looked at as one larger thing about yeah. what's acceptable behaviour at football, how we police behaviour at football. And for me, and uh, I know a lot of people listen to this, will disagree, but I do believe there's a case for strict liability to come in. And what I mean by that is that I think that... Um, I don't believe that if someone throws something then the club should have a a stand closed down or anything like that immediately. But I believe that there should be um, sanctions so that other fans make other fans aware that if they do something like that, it's going to negatively affect the club. And I think there would be a level of self-policing from a larger amount of fans. Now, at the moment, the problem is one person throws something, throws a coin. One fan turns around and says to that person, what are you doing? The kind of person that throws a coin is not the kind of person yeah. that's necessarily want to trifle with. That, that's, that's the issue I have. But if there's strict liability, I think it's 300 people around them going, what are you doing? Yeah. Because we could be looking at a stand closure or we could be looking at a, a 200 grand fine. And then I think there is more people that are likely to uh, stand up and, and make their voices heard in that situation. I, I'm not saying that that's a perfect, flawless argument. Yeah, I think in principle what you're saying is right. Uh,
1: and I think there's, there's a bit of merit in it. Although it is a... You no, know, you have to be careful. Uh, I think at times it could be a dangerous road to go down. Uh, you're talking about a stand closing, you no know, points deducted, heavy financial fines. You could be punishing a club who behind the scenes you know, is actively doing everything they can to try and you know, weed this problem out and that that I think can be dangerous and going back to your other point I totally agree with you I think in modern day society uh, you no know, decent football fans that which are go-
0: a vast majority yeah
1: yeah decent football fans that go to stadiums every week they are now because of the way society is and because of a you no, know, because of a Ned culture I think that's been uh that's been you no know, kind of growing now for for several years, fans are far more reluctant to call MD out. Uh and who can who can blame them? I mean you, know, you get big crowds of supporters in stadiums and at a lot of these games the only people around them will be stewards, you no know, guys that are no police, no trained ...to deal with situations... ...and I think fans... ...no, families would feel... Um, ...no, I don't... ...I think they'd feel unsafe... ...about, about trying to call somebody out... ...try to say to them, listen, you shouldn't be doing that... Um, ...for fear of... ...no, being attacked themselves... ...whether it be verbally or, or physically so... ...it's difficult... ...I'm not sure 100% how I feel about... ...strict liability for the... You ...no, know, for, for some of the reasons that I've just said... ...but clearly... More has to be done. Something has to be done. I mean, I actually thought Johnny, in regards to sectarianism, I thought, and this might be an unpopular opinion. I actually thought about, I thought about ten years ago. It was actually getting a lot better from from when I was a when I was a kid. I mean, and I've said this before. You no, know, I would see, I would listen to games, go to games, and I felt the the singing and some of the the language that were used in the songs was actually going down. Uh, I thought people had kind of woke up to it slightly. Uh, No, it it was small steps, but I thought, um, particularly in, in Rangers' case, actually, I thought it was getting better. What I would say is that in the last four to five years it's it's crept back into the, the game again in, in general and I think it's it's now gradually getting worse. I'm not sure what the reasons for that is. But I think the bigger picture is uh, that it's a it's a societal problem, though know, this Ned culture, this kind of violent culture that I think we're we're living in and the the advent of of social media I think that's also played a part and might be yet another reason why it's uh, can its re- it's, it's ugly head again.
0: I, I personally don't believe that sectarianism is getting worse. If sectarianism in its heart is about religion, then we know from all the statistics out there that the amount of religious people that are in society is going down significantly yeah. year on year. I, I know one person out of all my friends who's a churchgoer, um, and I'm sure you'll know a similar... Yep. Uh, small. you'll have a similar small number in, in your group of friends. Um, I, I, for me, I don't think it's as bad as it would have been 20 years ago, 40, certainly not 40 years ago. No. But what I do think is in Scotland, we have an issue where our football tribalism is mixed in with this religious sectarian issue. So if you go down to uh, Manchester, they hate Liverpool hate them with a passion as much as Celtic and Rangers fans hate each other. And they'll sing about the the Manchester um, airplane disaster and they'll sing about horrific things. The the thing is, there's not this catch-all issue that they can put that down to. That's just football rivalry. And the problem with Rangers and Celtic for me is you don't know where the football rivalry ends and the sectarianism begins. But that's just sectarianism. Like I say, there's larger issues at play here about... Uh, behaviour at football, we had Hearts versus Hibs, a coin was thrown at Neil Lennon, there was a player punched when he went to get the ball from the fans, uh, the goalkeeper of Hibs, so it's a it's a broad issue and there needs to be something done to make sure that um, people who do things like that are held to account. Yeah, and you you speak to, I've spoke to a couple of ex-old
1: firm players who, you no know, when they went to other clubs, you know, whether it be as players or in one case as a manager or another, top flight club, they were subjected to sectarian abuse for fans of that that club who, who weren't Rangers or Celtic, so going back to our initial point, it's not just a two club issue of course, Rangers and Celtic are the ones everyone will focus on they've probably got the biggest job in their hands to try and, try and get rid of it um, but to narrow it down to that and say that no, this these two clubs, you no, know, these two sets of supporters, are the you no know, the real kind of villains and all this. And, and you no, know, if we sort this, then that will cure you no know, this this problem in Scottish society. You no, know, it, it might go a good way to doing that, but but certainly not completely.
0: Okay, well, we're going to move on to something a little bit more in our wheelhouse, Scott, which is <laughs> football. Now, regular listeners might argue <laughs> if that's in our wheelhouse or not. Um, but we're going to have a wee look back on the Kelly game. Um, we're going to start off with the first incident, which was very early in the game. For me, I have to say, I'll be honest, it's a Stonewall penalty from my point of view. Joe Warrell does foul Eamon Brophy. I would say Eamon Brophy makes a meal of it. He makes the most of it. But I, I, if, that was, um, if that was a Rangers player, I think Rangers fans would expect that to be a penalty. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think there's no... There's no
1: getting away from it. It was a poor decision. It was really early in the game. That's no excuse for for Alan Muir. Uh, I've said what I think of Alan Muir's officiating in the past. I think nothing personal against him. I just think he's one of the worst refs we've got. I've I've been at a lot of his games. I've seen big calls. uh, I've seen him getting big calls wrong on a regular basis. And I think that was... uh, that was one of them. It was obviously a key decision for Kilmarnock, but I think worrell got a get a hold of his jersey first and foremost, and then he has a wee kind of claw claw back at him. Uh, and Brophy goes down. I thought it should have been should have been a penalty. Rangers get away with one.
0: Next big controversial uh, incident uh, was the sending off of the Kilmarnock keeper Backman. Now, on first viewing, this one looks like a strange decision. Um, but on second viewing when you see the close up you can see that Backman raises his arms uh, Kamara is almost underneath his left arm and Backman makes a movement with his elbow towards his face now saw Michael Stewart saying on TV that you know it wasn't necessarily his elbow it was the lower part of his arm that doesn't matter Scott Michael Stewart also said it was about brutality, excessive force. That doesn't matter. If you look at the rules, it says that any incident where contact is made with a face or head, it is a red card unless the contact is negligible. Now you watch that again in full speed, not slowed down, you cannot say that's negligible. No. That's a stonewall red card. I hate to agree with you. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, Johnny, but now you're right. I was the exact same. I seen
1: No, I seen initial footage of it. Uh, from one particular angle and thought Kamara's, Kamara'll feel a bit ashamed about that because he went down so easy. I thought it was just like in a kinda brush at the arm you know, that, that you see quite regularly for keepers on strikers in the box, uh, especially at corners. But when you started to look at it for a couple of different angles, uh, one in particular, um, I actually think there was enough force in it to make... Kamara go down. Uh, I don't think you could label it against them. Um, so I think they actually got it right. I think it was the linesman that, that that's called it, um, and you have to say it's a great call because they the linesman's only got one look at it. To be fair, he's he's probably got for that side of the ground. He's probably actually got a good view of it made Alan Muir aware of it and they've they've came
0: to the right right decision. Does this spark off a debate about the use of slow motion when judging these issues? Because I've seen a few footballers comment on it now, uh, on podcasts and on television, where they say, you can't really look at a still frame image and you can't really look at it in slow motion because you don't get a sense of the 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 force yeah um and I thought this was a brilliant example of that because in slow motion it looks highly innocuous yeah but if you watch it in at full speed and and I was accused on Twitter the other day of of uh, showing a video that had been speeded up but it hadn't been speeded up it showed you on Sports Scene on the BBC yeah um when it was played in in full speed normal speed it, there was force yeah Oh well, it's th- I agree
1: with what you're saying that's yet yeah another reason why VAR isn't perfect. is isn't going mm. to be perfect when it gets brought in because if you look at the, the incidents we've seen where VAR's been used by refs, you no, know, they go over to the side of the park and they do get things slowed down. They they get it in real time as well, but they get replays slowed down. And I agree with you. I don't really think I mean, there's maybe instances when you slow it down. If where, you're talking it about help, but it might help yeah if no. you're talking
0: about say a penalty decision yeah, where it, did he get a touch on the yeah, ball
1: did the striker just get the neck ahead of the, the keeper it might be better to slow it down mm. but with incidents like that you're right if that was slowed down it looks just like in a kind of brush of the arm mm. whereas if you if you watch it in real time it's clearly an elbow to the, S- to the
0: face sad case that I am you know I'm a rules junkie, I mean, I've been reading that. the VAR protocols and it does actually state in the VAR protocols not to look at certain instances in slow-mo that could, right? for that very reason. Right. So that's in the iFab rules if anyone wants to go and check. But probably You must not. know these <laughs> iFab rules off the hat, seriously. I'm getting there, Scott, I'm getting there. Now, listen, we've talked for a little while and we've not mentioned the name Alfredo Morelos. What a performance this was. Yep.
1: Outstanding, I mean, uh, I think we said a couple of weeks ago that we felt it would kind of moved his game onto another level, um, and that was you know, proven again the other night, a kind of one-man demolition job almost on, on Kilmarnock, who have proved to be really difficult opponents for Rangers this season, obviously, and it, it just highlighted again... How important Morelos is to to Rangers and their attacking threat now, and to be on the amount of goals he's on that this is that twenty seven goals already this season. Yeah, he's clearly going to you no know, getting to thirty five, thirty six, which we've no seen apart from. No, you think know, you think about guys off the top of your head, and you're now talking about. Chris Boyd, Marco Negri, Ali McCoy, no guys that can kind of smash through that 30 goal barrier in a season. It's, it's not happened for a while and that, that tells you everything about what Morelos has did this season.
0: So I'm going to put a point to you that I put to Mark McDougall on the podcast directly after the game. For me, 39 goals he's been involved in, assists and goals. He's a shoe in for player of the year at this stage. Now people say Callum McGregor. And he's been good. He's been good. Yeah. But nobody in Scottish football, not a single player, has had the impact on his team that Alfredo Morelos has on Rangers.
1: What what I think will be interesting, Johnny. There's there's three Player of the Year awards in Scotland, right? So you get the Ladbrokes Player of the Year, which
0: is the league. Is that the one you vote for? Uh,
1: I'm not sure. I, I think there might be a kind of select group yeah. of journalists or media people who help Ladbrokes basically decide on that. Uh, then you've got the. Players' Player of the Year, and then you've got the Football Writers' Player of the Year, which is obviously our association. Everybody, everybody in the football writers gets a gets a vote. What'll interest me is that if Celtic were to go on and win the treble, as 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 could happen, obviously this season, a, a third consecutive treble. I think a lot of football writers and media people. No, rightly or wrongly you might find it difficult to ignore not ignore Celtic, but to come up with another treble, it would be difficult not to look at their team and pick out a play, a player of the year.
0: They've not really had an outstanding player though, have They've they? No, season?
1: I mean McGregor Forrest was on fire at the start of the season. First yeah. half of the season he looked like an absolute cert to win it, I have to say. He's tailed off slightly. No, For various reasons Whether it be injury Or whatever else Callum McGregor You're right has probably been the guy That's done it consistently For Celtic yeah. The whole season I suppose you could argue Maybe second half Of the season Or second, third of the season Ryan Christie Would maybe come into Your, your thinking But What will interest me is So I think In terms of the football writers In the league one It might be tempting For them to look at Celtic And think You know This team won the treble It has to come for that team Yeah but with Morelos, the players player will be really interesting because he must be an absolute nightmare to play against. <laughs> and I, I would expect, despite what people say about his temperament and about him being a bit volatile and a bit feisty on the on the park, I'd be utterly amazed if droves of players didn't didn't vote for Morelos just because what he must be like to play against. Um so I would expect him to win at this stage, certainly the way it's going, I'd expect him to win at least at least one player of the year award. Uh, especially, I think, the players player, because you no know, players will know the job he does for the team, you no, know, the the graft he puts in, the, the kinda you know, that physical element to
0: his game uh, and how important it is to Rangers. The first goal was uh, an interesting finish. It was one of those classic Morelos moments where but it's laid on a plate he he for him. <laughs> when it's laid on a plate for him, he's not quite so good. But listen, my favourite of the goals, I know the third one is a tremendous strike. And and actually so is the fourth. It's a really clever bit of movement. But for me, the best one was the second, and I'll tell you why. Um unbelievable cross, obviously, from Daniel Candice. He had an excellent game. Yeah. But not, f- not a fourth time. Ah, that's true, that's true, that's true. He's not been great. But um yeah, he was back on it. Um but I loved Morelos' movement when he was running for that because the defender, he was very close to the defender when he started out and he just did a wee stuttered run and running on the blind side of him and just popped the wee header in at the back post. It was just a great, great run and uh, a great move. Yep.
1: I I actually liked, if I had to pick one, I would have actually picked his last goal um, because obviously the first two relatively simple finishes, I appreciate what you're saying about the build-up and the the delivery. Mm. The third one, ...is a great finish... ...but it's a... ...it's a lash... ...no he's just... ...he's just battered it... ...in which he does with a lot of his... ...finishes... ...I just thought the fourth one... ...there was things going on around him... ...obviously there was a few ricochets... ...and... uh, no, the ball kind of... ...kind of just popped him in the... ...in the... ...just inside the box... ...almost unexpectedly... ...and he just took one hit... ...and finished it... ...and it was so clinical... ...it was actually... ...in terms of being clinical... It was quite similar to Defoe's goal at Aberdeen, which you don't normally associate Morelos with, or I wouldn't have associated Morelos with that type of finish, but I think it just shows the forum he's in, how confident he is, you no, know, on either foot. Uh, and as we, as I said earlier, he's taken his game to a to a new level, uh, this this season. And you no, know, clearly he's going to be so important. Whatever Rangers do in this run in, whether it's getting themselves back involved in the league or trying to win the Scottish Cup, Morelos will be absolutely key. And without going over all ground, you can't help but wonder, certainly Rangers fans will wonder, Steven Gerrard will wonder how things might have been different if he'd have been available for that,
0: that semi-final against the League Cup semi-final against Aberdeen at Hampden. Yeah, definitely. I think we'd have made a, a massive uh, difference yep. and a, a huge upgrade on Umar Sadiq, who, from what I understand, <laughs> hasn't I'd exactly... A, been a huge upgrade <laughs> in Umar Sadiq. Steady, Scott. Steady. <laughs> um, at least he's got a pace. pace. <laughs> <laughs> um, another player that's, uh, I think, settling into life at Ibrox uh, quite well, uh, certainly after a couple of games, is Glenn Kamara now. I think it's important not to get too carried away, Scott. I think on this podcast yep. we were extolling the virtues of one Lasana Koulibaly after about five or six games we thought he was the real deal Um, and it hasn't quite worked out for Mr Koulibaly but uh, Camera, he's just got an incredible comfort on the ball looks a bit of a sort of a bit of a Rolls Royce of a player in the midfield he doesn't give the ball away, he moves it very quickly Um, is he going to be the player at the base of that midfield that we thought Stephen Davis would maybe be?
1: could well be Johnny uh, I do think it's early days I agree with you the thing I've always said about Glenn Kamara even when he was at Dundee is that he could tell or I certainly could tell that he'd that he'd grown up at a club like
0: Arsenal because it's, fu- it's funny you say that because you know the player he reminds me of most Gideon Zalalem who also yep. came from Arsenal yeah, yeah. very
1: similar stylistically just because all the fundamentals yep. are there no, he's his passing range is excellent, it's crisp, it's accurate, um he's quick to win the ball back. I think he's stronger than he looks. I think he looks quite slight, but the other night he was we saw that, yeah. he was up against like Power and Dicker and he was winning the ball back. Um no, physically competing, um and at times playing it simple, mixing his passes up. Um so it's early days but no for for fifty grand, if it even was that, to get him in uh, at his age. It looks like a like a good bit of business for Stephen Gerrard. and I know having you no know, interviewed the, the manager last uh, last week. He's absolutely delighted to get Kamara in. And it's interesting that you you mentioned Koulibaly there because I, I genuinely believe getting Kamara in uh, for such little outlay will probably kind of end Koulibaly's time at Rangers because, like us, Steven Gerrard was waxing lyrical about Koulibaly at the start of the season. And he looked like the kind of powerhouse that was going to anchor this Rangers midfield, um, certainly for this season. And Steven Gerrard actually spoke openly about uh, trying to get him long-term, trying to sign him this summer. But he's... Can I backtrack on that now? That's no criticism, Gerard. He's he's now looking at the situation and thinking um, Koulibaly's forum has dipped. I think he believes that there's reasons for that. Some personal stuff stuff, uh, off off the park. And also, he's got two years left on his contract at Angers in France, who will undoubtedly want no, he's a young guy. He's a Mali international. They're going to want a uh, a fairly substantial fee for him. I would reckon, you no, know, a million, one and a half million, maybe, if you're going yeah. to go and try and get him. And I think Gerard's looking at it, thinking, "Do I really need him now for for next season? Because I've got Kamara. He's come in the last two games and looked really good. I thought even against St Johnson, when the team was abject, he was the only shining shining light uh, on the, on his debut." And no, he's not played a lot of football, but I thought he looked fit the other night as well, uh, which will have pleased Gerard um, because he now looks like a guy that will be uh, that could be important to them for the for the rest of the season.
0: Okay, so when I ask this question, Scott and listeners, bear in mind that I haven't seen the full game because I'll tell you what happened. I was trying to watch it, obviously, through the various streams that appeared on social media, which were going off and coming back on and going off and coming back on, while also doing various other things for the digital desk while the game was ongoing. I got home late that night because it was busy with all the other things that were going on and I fell asleep about halfway through the first half. Um, which meant I didn't get a real chance to watch the game and decided just to watch the highlights. And on the highlights, actually, I thought Borna Barisic looked okay, but I've I've read a few people say that they felt he had a poor game. And Mark McDougall, who was at the game, said that he didn't feel that he had a, a great game once again. Now, you might disagree with that, So, but, but before, I, before I get there, I'll get to my point, which is Andy Halliday comes on, scores a terrific goal. Is Barisic on it at the moment? And if he's not, should Halliday be getting on? I don't think Barisic is on it. Uh, far from it. Um, but
1: I thought he was better the other night than he was at St. Johnson, which wouldn't have been difficult because they were, they were all so bad against St. Johnson. I mean, he, he was particularly awful uh, that game. However, I thought he was better the other night. Still not up to the standard that made... Gerard go and sign him. You know, the kind of performances that he, he put in for Ossijek, obviously against Rangers and the, the Europa League at do, the start of the season. Do you think he needs the bandage back? I, I thought that when I was, honestly, I thought that when he was watching the game. The, the new hairstyle with the kind of fancy hair doesn't does suit him. He looks better with the, the skin head and the, the Rab C bandage on. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't seem to be, listen, he was signed because, he was signed because he's his physicality. At left back, almost in a kind of Sasa Papach style. But and his
0: delivery, presumably, it, which that's is terrific. what
1: I was going to say. But he was also saying, because combined with that physicality, he had an unbelievable engine on him to get up and down, and his delivery from wide, you no, know, whipping crosses in for the left, dangerous crosses, looked, you no... Know, uh, superb in those two. Get albeit it was only no, it was only two legs. He also showed uh, in the f- the game at Ibrox that he was capable of getting you a goal with a, with a phenomenal finish uh, for Osijek in that in that game. He hasn't shown any of that really. He doesn't look like a guy who's going to get up and get you a goal. Mm. Um, He's delivery. I'm not saying his delivery's been particularly bad. To me, he's just no getting into the right positions to actually deliver. Um, he's delivering for too deep for some reason. I don't know whether it's because he's playing with with Ryan Kent and they haven't quite struck up that relationship yet. With Barisic as the guy overlapping, and no, and you you want it, no, you want it to be like. Like David Robertson used to be Brian Loudrop no, just had that great relationship yeah, Lee Wallace and, uh, and
0: Barry like McKay had a very good they relationship did, they
1: did um, I don't think that's quite that, that, that's been struck up yet between the two of them so I think he is off it and I think Halliday is you know, giving Gerald a, a problem, not a good problem in terms of, in terms of picking a left back his instincts will tell him to pick Barisic because he's a £2 million signing he's a Croatia international um, but Halliday's making it difficult for him uh, and I thought in the, the St Johnson game where, where Barisic was particularly poor I actually thought that game of all games was crying out for Halliday either to come on at left back or in midfield because as Gerard said after it and he's kind of you no, know he's heavy criticism of the players there was such a lack of urgency in the game a lack of energy a lack of drive those are the things that Halliday, whatever you might say about him, ability-wise, those are the type of things he can give you. And I thought the St. Johnson game was crying out for him to go on, as I say, at left batter and midfield and try and get a reaction for players around him. Try and drive Rangers forward and get something. And even though they didn't really need it the other night, 2-0 up when he came on, he still actually gave them that coming off the bench. I mean, he came off the bench in like 75 minutes. And they scored three goals in the next the next fifteen minutes, so including his own goal, which was a, a terrific uh, run and finish. So he's certainly putting pressure on Barisic and making Gerrard have to make a decision because I think when Barisic signed, Gerrard thought this guy will be my left back for the rest of the season. Mm. No, no, no qualms about that, but I think he's now getting into individual games, thinking, who's well, no, who's this game going to suit? Better, they I go with Barisic or they I go with Halliday? And that's, that's credit to Halliday, but
0: Barisic is going to need to up his, up his game. Hamilton at the weekend, Scott, they have got a new manager in and look to be playing a different style yep. of football. A bit more attacking, a um, bit more entertaining. Uh, do you feel that they're going to offer a significant uh, hurdle for Rangers to overcome? Um, they will certainly be a different proposition to... Martin
1: Cannings, Hamilton, uh, who were traditionally no, fairly defensive or very defensive against uh, against either of the old firm or the, or the bigger clubs. Brian Rice has got a different philosophy on the game, different style. Uh, last couple of games, I think he was quoted after they got beat with Hibs last weekend, but effectively saying, if, if we go down, we'll go down with a fight. And I quite admire that. In him, he's going kind of 4-2-3-1 or or 4-4-2, trying to get goals. Uh, He signed a couple of attacking players, and uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, towards the end of Canning's time when Davies and and Oakley came in up front. They've got guys we spoke off air about, about Michael Miller, uh, who they brought in at the start of the season, and no under Canning didn't quite, or wasn't quite able to flourish, but I think he will more under Brian Rice, I think he's technically a very good player and, and can do a job for them. So it will be a different proposition, it'll just be interesting. We talk about it, you hear people talking about it all the time. If Hamilton do decide to come out and play and attack, is it going to play into Rangers' hands? Because Rangers have obviously got the players, Kent, Morelos, Kandias, whoever, who can, who can pick them off. I think Hamilton are poor defensively. I'm not sure how much Brian Rice has worked on that or improved them in the last couple of games because I've not really seen them. But if they go gung-ho to go, try and go for Rangers' throats, it might just... No, they might get a goal or two, but it might backfire on them at the other end if Rangers can, can pick them off.
0: So give me a prediction then.
1: I'll go... I think Hamilton will score because of the kind of... New philosophy, but I would say
0: I still expect Rangers to win. I'll go for, go for 3-1 Rangers. Okay, I'm going to go for 4-1. Right, okay, we're going to call it a day there. That's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate you can by tweeting us at record underscore sport or me personally at johnny r McFarlane, keep it clean and scott at scott mcdermott eight don't keep it clean um don't forget to subscribe at itunes or acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available and if you liked it of course please review and rate us on there too thanks for listening